Marie, welcome to the Cook Coding Podcast. In this episode, I interview Paul Fortune, who was born with cerebral palsy. It was so severe that the doctor said he would never be able to walk. He shares with us his story of overcoming cerebral palsy and how focusing on his mindset changed the trajectory of his life. As I was preparing for this episode, I realized that March is Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. So if you know someone with cerebral palsy, please share this episode with them and their families. I learned a lot from Paul and his story is incredibly inspiring. Enjoy! Hi Paul, welcome to the Cook Cody Podcast. I'm so glad to be able to have a conversation with you today. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, I wanted to start our conversation with the day you were born, Paul. Can we start there? Can you tell us about your birth story? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you or your viewers don't know, um, I was born with something called cerebral palsy. Well, obviously you guys don't know because I'm telling the story for the first time. But if you don't know what cerebral palsy is, it's lack of oxygen in the brain at labor. So when I was born... I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And what cerebral palsy does is it attacks one side of the body. Uh, it can lead to paralyzation. It can affect your speech. And this is permanent. It does not go away. So when I was born, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mother was very, very concerned about this. So she got me uh, to the doctor to do some testing. And it did indeed come back that I suffered from cerebral palsy. And at the time, the doctors thought it was so severe that they thought I would never, ever be able to walk. And it would be a good idea when I got to a certain age to get me ready to be in a wheelchair because that was going to be my life going forward. Well, thank goodness for a great mom. She didn't go with that mindset. She got a second, third, fourth, fifth, finally found a physician willing to help. And with this physician's help and my mom's unrelentless attitude to make sure that I walked, and me doing physical therapy five to six times a week, I was able to, to walk at age three. Now, I don't really remember that, but obviously that was a huge feat in my life because four other doctors thought that wasn't going to happen. Um, it was very, very tremendous for me. But I do remember being put into soccer when I was about five or six years old. And at the time, I probably could run probably about 25 to 50 yards where my leg would give out. And uh, so I'm basically standing there at the soccer field where these kids are playing soccer around me. And I felt so defeated. And I remember going to my mom one day after practice going, Mom, this is ridiculous. I, I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm making a fool of myself. Uh, they're playing soccer around me. I can barely run. I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember what my mom told me because I still think about this to this day. Or anything. My mom said, Paul, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's fine. But you need to honor your commitments. So you need to finish out that soccer season. If you don't want to play soccer after that, that's your prerogative. And that's exactly what's, what is ha has happened. I'm 41 years old, and I haven't played soccer uh, since in my life. So, But I remember after that, I got a huge, huge break. I got surgery on my right foot to tighten up the tendons, to give me a little bit more spring in my step, and to take away the pain that I was feeling when I ran. And I didn't know how much of a game changer this was going to be until I switched schools. And I remember my first day of physical uh, education, PE, first grade. We did our stretches, and the teacher says, okay, guys, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards, and I'm going to have to stop. 
And these other kids are going to start to see that and they're going to start to tease me. But because of the surgery, it was different. I was able to go past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember saying to myself, come on, Paul, you got this, buddy. Keep going, keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, they kept it cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. It was the first time in my life where I just fit in, where I didn't stand out. I felt so alive. I felt so good about myself. And things got easier for me because of the surgery. But I wouldn't consider them easy. Uh, easier, but not easy. I sw- My parents got divorced when I was about 12 or 13 years old. So I had to switch schools. And that's a tough age to switch schools with no disability. Kids are starting to go through hormonal changes. Uh, they're becoming teenagers. And a lot of them have been going to school with each other for many, many years. So they already have their cliques. And it's hard to break in. So just being a new kid alone is going to be tough. Well, I'm a new kid who holds my right arm differently and walks with a limp. So it was even tougher for me. I was had a very, very hard time at this new school. I was bullied, teased quite a bit in the school. I, I couldn't break through. I couldn't make friends. And on top of this, um, my mom raised me Catholic, so she wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test. I met with the principal and my mother. The principal tells the both of us they're going to put me at the lowest level possible and that she doesn't expect much from me. I do not seem like I'm going to be college material. So now I think I'm stupid. Plus, I'm getting bullied and teased in school. I'm crying myself to sleep most nights going, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't I just fit in? Why can't I be just like everybody else? And I don't know what came over me, but midway through eighth grade, I was tired of feeling angry and sad all the time. And I knew deep down those weren't my go-to emotions. But because of the environment I was in, those are the emotions that were coming up the most. So I thought to myself, what can I do to change that? And I thought to myself, what if I set a goal for myself to distract me from all this outside noise and I just focus on the goal and that will help me? So I thought, what could my goal be? And at the time, I really, really loved baseball. So I started to, uh, so I thought to myself, what if I try to make my varsity baseball team in high school? So I started playing fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And the, the, the great thing about this is uh, coaches start to see that I was playing all the time. And one coach pulled me aside and said, hey, w- what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish here with, the, with you know, playing all this baseball? I, I love it, but do you have any type of goals? And I didn't want to tell him, but he dragged it out of me. I told him that I wanted to make my varsity baseball team, and I thought he was going to laugh at me. And he, he paused for a second, and he said, hmm, that's doable. And I'm like, what? It's doable? He goes, yeah, it is doable. But you've got to have more people keep you accountable. And I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, after practice tomorrow, you're going to tell the team that what your goal is. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to laugh at me. And he's like, no, they're not. And they're going to keep you accountable. And they're going to help you get there. I'm like, okay. So the next day after practice, he, uh, I, I went in front of the team and I told everybody that I wanted to make my varsity baseball team in high school. And instead of uh, laughing at me, they started clapping for me. And I started to break down in tears, crying tears of joy. And the great thing about this goal, and I know this now, and I, know, I didn't know this when I was going through it, I was sending a different energy out to these kids. In other words, I started to have my shoulders back, my head up. I started to have more confidence in myself. And as a result of this new energy I was sending out to these kids, 
they were sending a different energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. So my middle school, junior high career was way different than my high school career, all because of this energy shift. And I'm happy to tell you I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. In my senior year, I pitched a three-hit shutout, and they poured the Gatorade on me, and I felt so alive. I felt so good about myself, and things were great. And I graduated high school. And I start to think about what that principal said to me years earlier about being not being college material. See, all through high school, I pretty much mailed it in because I had that narrative in my head saying, what's the point? I'm not college material. Just do enough to stay eligible to play baseball and move on. Don't waste your time. So that's my, that was my mentality throughout high school. And I, I really started to think about that goal I set for myself about making the varsity baseball team. When I made that goal, I thought it was going to be near impossible. I wasn't going to do it. But I, I was able to accomplish that. Somebody with cerebral palsy making a varsity baseball team. Unreal. So I thought to myself, why can't I set another goal for myself and say that I am college material? So I enrolled into a junior college because that was the only place that would accept me at the time. And I got myself a math tutor, a regular tutor. And I went to the math lab. I did everything necessary to increase my grade point average. And with all this hard work that I set forth for myself, I took my barely a 2.0 all the way to 3.5 where I was able to transfer to a four-year university where I was able to graduate. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you're wrong. I am college material. I did graduate from college. But I, in the end, I, I think I should thank her because I heard her voice throughout college saying that I was not college material. And that was the motivation that I needed to hit the books as hard as I did. And I don't know if she would have said that to me. I would have been so motivated to, to hit college as hard as I did. So in the end, maybe I should thank her. Maybe that was what she was trying to do in the first place. I don't know. Now I'm 22, 23 years old. I have no life experience. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. And uh, uh, a uh, family friend comes to me and goes, hey, why don't I hire you? Uh, you could be a, a loan officer. He was a CEO of a small bank. And I thought, why not? I'm not doing anything. Let's go. So I get in and no one wants to talk to me. I am sitting alone at lunch. I haven't felt this way since middle school, junior high. I'm like, what the heck's the problem? Nobody wants to talk to me. Everybody is giving me the cold shoulder. And I quickly realized what the problem was. They knew that I knew the CEO of the company. So it wasn't because of my talents. It's because of who I knew. So what they were going to do is they were going to chew me up and spit me out because I did not belong there. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove my worth here. So I dug in. I had a good work ethic. I, I, I didn't complain about the workload. And from afar, because they didn't want to talk to me, I was observing what top loan officers did in the company. And I remember my first day of wanting to go out in the field and get loans for the first time. Uh, the, the, my family friend stops me and says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm ready. I'm going to go out and get loans. And he has a concerned look on his face. Not, he's like, no, 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 no. You are not ready to go. Uh, let me get you some more training and we'll get you going. And I'm like, no, no, I got this. Let me go. Let me go. So I go out there and I fall on my face. I wasn't ready. He was right. I didn't know what the heck I was doing with my life. I didn't know what was going on in the business. But slowly but surely, I started to gain what the customers were looking for value. And slowly but surely, I started getting loans and more loans and more loans. And two years later, I became a top producer. And the people who didn't want to talk to me when I first got there are now coming to me with questions on how I was able to turn things around so quickly. And I started to really enjoy the industry. 
And I was really thinking that this was going to be my career, you know, for my whole adult life. Then 2008, 2009 hit and the economy tanked it. And I would get a job in the mortgage industry and the whole company would go belly up. And I get another job in the mortgage industry and that company would go belly up. And this happened. So I was really losing the luster of being in the industry. And I remember the last place I was at, they brought in this motivational speaker to motivate us to get the sales up. And the guy blew me away. The guy was tremendous. And so I made a point to talk to him after to tell him how great of a job he did. And uh, he was so very gracious. He told me uh, he told me he started as a uh, life coach. And I'm like, life coach? What in the heck is that? And he explained that to me, what the life coach was. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe I want to get into coaching. So I started telling people that I wanted to get into coaching. I was getting my coaching certificate on the side. And people were humoring me and going, okay, life coach, whatever, buddy. Just go out and get loans. And things started to get serious. So I started getting my website up and I started to put things on social media. And the legal team that I was working at at the time uh, stopped me and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I was very transparent. I'm doing the loans and I was going to do this on the side. And I'm like, this could be a conflict of interest. We'll get back to you. I'm thinking, uh-oh, that sound, doesn't sound good. And they came back with a five-page report of what I couldn't, couldn't say. And I looked at this going, there's no way I'm going to make any traction in the coaching world if I, I follow this to the T. So um, I spent a year not doing any of the coaching and just paying down my debts and just working on the mortgage industry. And a year later, I paid all my debts off and I just quit. And people are like, what in the heck are you doing? Why do you quit? And you're a loan officer. You just made President's Club. Why would you quit? And I go, I want to try this. And they're like, this this, loan, this coaching stuff, life coaching stuff, it's pie in the sky. You'll be back. This is nonsense. And for a while, I thought they were going to be right because I wasn't getting any traction in the, in the coaching world at all. And I finally realized what the real problem was. See, the story I told you about having cerebral palsy, I wanted to bury that story. I don't want to tell anybody that story because all through growing up, all I wanted to do was fit in. I didn't want to stand out. So if anybody brought up that I was limping or hold my right arm differently, I'd make up excuses about softball injuries, baseball injuries. I wouldn't tell them the truth. And if I did, I, I would be near in tears. And I thought to myself, the only way that I'm going to expect to have clients is if I'd be vulnerable with them so they could be vulnerable with me. So I started telling my story and it was very, very shaky at first, but I started doing it over and over again. And I never forget this. My first client coming to me and goes, Paul, I don't have cerebral palsy, but I have X, Y, and Z. And I think that you can help me. I'd be honored if I could hire you as a coach. And we started, we started building from there. And now I'm on a mission to help people rewrite their stories and take control of their lives. Take back their life pen and write the story they want for their lives, not for anybody else, but for themselves. So thank you. Wow, Paul, that was that was really, really inspiring. Thank you for sharing your story. Something that stood out to me when you were sharing was the importance of owning what you've been through. You you mentioned that you wanted to bury the great power when we own our challenges we don't necessarily let them define us right but we embrace it and accept it as part of who we are and it allows us to be able to heal and to move on and use those experiences no matter how difficult they were to actually allow us to have control of our trajectory and not let it control what 
we think we can or can't do. I wanted to ask you, what what was the transition like when you decided to go into coaching? Because there there were these negative voices around you discouraging you from trying something new. What was there something that happened, or did you hire a coach yourself? But what helped you with the with the transition of your mindset? That hey, I want to do this because I want to do this, and no one can stop me. Yeah,、uh, good question.、Um, a lot of things.、Uh, first off, it was just a little bit of soul searching in myself. I started to realize that vulnerability is not a not a weakness; it's actually a strength. And once I started to realize that it was a strength, and that my story could inspire as opposed to be a shameful thing, things started to change for me quite a bit. So yeah, I mean, it was just a, a internal、uh, battle within myself, going, "I got to do this. I got to tell my story. I don't want to do this, but I got to do it because how do I expect other people to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? I just, it just, it just doesn't work. How do I expect to talk to somebody? Say, tell me your problems. They know nothing about me. Well, why am I going to tell you my problems? Why am I going to open up to you? I have no idea who you are. And once I start opening up myself to them,、uh, they can see the empathy I would have for them. So it started off that way. That's kind of the simple version of it. But yes, I did hire a coach down the road because I feel that、um, if I if I really truly believe in coaching, why wouldn't I have a coach for myself? I think that that's very very important. I mean, I I want to be able to when I have a consultation with somebody and they ask me, do I have a coach? I want to be able to say yes, and the coach helps me a lot because if I don't, does coaching? Do I really believe in the coaching? You know what I mean. So、um, I I think it's very important that I have a coach, and and the coach has helped me quite a bit in my in my business and in in my personal life. But I think that、um, it's great to have a coach, and it, it's it's a strength, not a weakness. Yeah, I love that. It, it it definitely is a strength and not a weakness. Why why do you think some people struggle with asking for help? I think it's the ego. We all have an ego saying we got this. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want to look weak. We're, we're worried about our image, and sometimes. We gotta get out of that, and that's basically develop that comfort zone, right? We have this comfort zone, we have this fence that we set up for ourselves, and we gotta break through that comfort zone. We gotta, we gotta get ourselves out of that. We gotta put that our egos aside for a second, and say, you know what? I need help. Whatever that help is, I need help. That's the only way I'm gonna get through this. Suffering in silence does not help anybody. We just gotta realize that 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 we need. Other people to help. We can't do everything by ourselves. And the moment we realize that, that's when we we start to gain that strength. That's the one. That's the time when we we can start to build on ourselves. The I mean, the best thing that anybody can do, especially when it comes to mental health, that that we reach out to, for for help. It is definitely not a weakness when you have these thoughts. I mean, people talk to me about you know very very very、uh, things like、uh, serious things like suicide. And they feel ashamed that they just said that. And I go, I'm glad that you said that out loud. I am so glad that you said that out loud, so that we can help you. We can get the help that you need because you're not alone. There's a lot of people in the world have had thoughts about that, and you shouldn't be ashamed about that, those thoughts. But you need to 
tell people that you're feeling that way so that they can help you so you don't do anything drastic. With with mental health, though, I think sometimes it might also be a cultural thing. Like I, so I grew up in Southeast Asia, and mental health is still such a taboo topic. And and when I moved to the U.S., it it was such a blessing for me because I had friends around me who were like, "Hey, if you need help, like go and talk to someone." And I'm like. No, like I, I can deal with it on my own, but I've learned that no man wants to be an island. We were able to connect and build each other better when we do ask for help and we open up. As scary as that can be, sometimes. From my experience, I've noticed that some people do hold back because of. Previous rejections or negative experiences, like you mentioned, that Catholic school principal was not encouraging at all, compared to your baseball coach, who encouraged you to share your dream out loud. What advice do you have for our listeners who want to go from being that negative Nancy to? Being someone who can influence others. First things first is look at your circle of friends. Who do you hang out with? Are they bringing you up? Or are they bringing you down? Because if they're bringing you down, you need to to find another circle of friends that are going to empower you to build you up. And I know that's not easy because some of those people could be your family. And I get that. And you can't just shut them down because they're your family. But you can table the conversation with those people. You know, you can you can keep it more surface, surface level with those people. And then seek out people that are going to encourage you. There's so many different meetup groups online that you can join. And p- so many people that, are encour- that can encourage you. Coaches, mentors. There's so many good things out there. Seek out those people. And if you seek out those people and, and you surround yourself with that environment, that energy, it's only going to lift you up. I love that. We, at the Kokori podcast, we love to emphasize the importance of being intentional with how you spend your time. So thank you. Thank you for that suggestion. Okay. If you could have uh, okay. a billboard. In California, what would it say? The billboard billboard would say, if you believe, you will achieve. Straight up just that. Is that phrase something that has helped you in your own life? Absolutely. Our mind is a powerful tool. It can You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And I want to use it for good. So, for instance, for me, in the morning, this is what I have my clients do all the time. And I do this daily. This is daily. This is something simple, but it's difficult because you have to do it daily. When you wake up in the morning, before you start your day, however you start your day, think about a couple things that are going well in your life. Think about what you're grateful for. It starts to shape your mind to pick out good things that are happening in your day. Like you, you get something on your phone that says free coffee up. Oh, the day keeps getting better and better and you keep building and building it. Um, because I use this analogy all the time. Um, when you buy a car, 
and you start driving that car all over the city, all of a sudden you see that same car all over the place. You didn't see it before, but now you do because you just bought that car because your mind's seeking it. It's the same thing with the positive and negative mindset. You seek what you're, you seek what you want your mind to think about. So if you're seeking positive things, positive things will come in your way. If you seek negative things, negative things will come your way. Like uh, I use this example all the time. You're driving to work, you get a flat tire and say, just my luck. This would happen to me. I would get a flat tire. And I would say to that person, yeah, bad things do happen to you because you're seeking it out. You can train your mind to go the opposite way. And the easiest way to do that is thinking about what is going well in your life right this moment. Not what it is in the past, not what you want it to be in the future, but what is going right in the present day. Paul, what would you say to someone who is afraid or feels overwhelmed to change? Because change doesn't necessarily happen overnight. But what what's one thing you could invite them to do to overcome that fear? Well, the first thing I would say is that, that to that person is you're not alone. So many people feel that way. And I've felt that way at times in my life, the same way that, that you're feeling right now. And I would say is think about one small positive step that you can take. Nothing's drastic, but what small positive thing that you can take to, to help you change yourself. And then take that step, that small step. And then, okay, okay, cool. I just made that step. Okay, what next small step can I take? Okay, let me do that. And all of a sudden, you're climbing up that ladder. And all of a sudden, you look down and go, wow, I made a lot of progress. Just making those small steps. Nothing drastic, just small, easy steps. Thank you so much, Paul, for your time. I've learned a lot from you. To end, could you share with our listeners how they can connect with you or learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the two ways to get in touch with me is one is through my website, a, a call to action.coach. You can book an appointment online with me. I even put my cell phone on there. So if you're old school and just want to make an appointment with me that way, that's fine too. That, so that's a call to action.coach. And secondly, I developed a uh, Facebook group called Rewrite Your Story. And it's people from all over the world. And they are able to share their stories with no judgment, only support. And we're only there to support each other, lift each other up. We have meetups once a month where we come together. Again, we share. We have a topic. And we just share our stories. And we're all only there to support. So rewrite your story Facebook group or, or my website at calledaction.coach. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. Each of us has our own pain and struggles, and no matter what you're going through, you are not alone. The right people, the people who will accept you and encourage you, are closer than you think. I hope this episode helped you feel inspired to add a little bit of light into your life today. If I can support you in any way, please send me a message. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.